Welcome to uh, Escape from Plan A. This is Teen. Uh, got a special guest with me today, Fulton Ho of the organization uh, They Can't Burn Us All. And uh, Fulton, good to have you on, man. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Teen. Appreciate the time. Sure, of course. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm, I learned about They Can't Burn Us All because uh, I think... It was just this, you know, obviously this recent spate of intense violence aimed at Asian Americans. I mean, let me show, let's just get into it. Yeah. Um, I met you face to face for the first time uh, right around the corner from where I live. I don't know if you live around here, too, but in, at the Elmhurst Hospital, there was a vigil mm-hmm. uh, for Going Ma. Yeah. And um, I saw you there and I had heard that you were part of the Camp Burn Assault. We did um, we did a pod recently with the dragon combat club henry mm-hmm. dong over there yep and he had recommended that we we look you guys up um and i had and then i and then you know we talked face to face and i said come jump on the podcast and let's let's uh sort through some issues so i guess first things first is do you want to just intro the camp burn us all the origins of it and you know um i know china mac is involved in it and what are the what are the goals of it yeah, absolutely. And thank you for taking the time to come to the visual the other night and rest in peace to Gwang Ma. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that we get to meet each other through this these horrible circumstances. But I think that together we can do hope to do something more productive and yeah, wake up our community a little bit. The origins to They Can't Burn Us All, I think... Many folks had different thoughts and what they remember back in 2020, which felt like years ago, well, like more than years ago, even though you know it was just a short time away. Back then, there was an 89-year-old Asian grandmother based out of Brooklyn in Bensonhurst where she was set on fire and she was attacked. And at the time, they didn't charge that as a hate crime. This was and, like a wasn't like a bunch of kids or some like some yeah. younger white kids in the in the area or something like neighbors of hers or something if I recall. I mean, not gonna lie, the Bensonhurst area even now there's a lot of issues in that neighborhood, and there's good people, but there's also I have friends there who still experience a lot of bigotry and racism, um, just from their neighbors in general. But I think at the time they were masked up, so we couldn't really tell. I uh, I think they were just kids too, and. This was one of the, I feel like it was one of the more earlier egregious incidents. I think that we can re- re- really remember back in 2020. And so, th- I mean, this was when there were barely any rallies happening. And at the time, folks got together. They came out to Brooklyn to re- really rally. And mind you, this is at a time when a lot of folks are have been quarantined in the city for a long time. There's a lot of pent up energy about the rising in attacks on Asian Americans. And so this, this was very grassroots. There was very real energy that came up and compared to back then, I think this past year with the nonstop attacks and the violence, we really wanted to, I think the folks who came 
are a little bit new, but we wanted to continue to focus on direct solutions and direct action and form an org that will resemble that. And right now we've been focusing on, on a lot of self-defense classes, on providing assistance to seniors at, in Chinatown subway stations, just trying to get people to take action. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's really active. Like, you know, I talked to Henry and he tells me about everything that's going on. If I want to show up to this or that, and there's always something going on. There's always a group of people out there, you know, helping elderly up the stairs with their with their uh, packages and bags and stuff. I know there's um, there's groups that are helping give rides to people yeah. for free from to their homes from subway stations and, and the like. There's a lot going on, and I know that probably already existed, right? Is this to to try and I don't know get more people to like just more more hands on deck, as it were, or is there a new vision? Is there something? Is this more of the same? Me, not not not. Uh, they can't burn us all, but the violence that's going on is that more of the same? You think, but just amplified, or is this some kind of qualitatively new enemy that we're dealing with here? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like right now here in the city, it feels a little bit different, as you said, with the even the past week. And we're here talking about the start of April as we're recording this. In the past week, there's been so many instances on the subways. And so I think we definitely cannot you know, forget about the incidents with Michelle Goh, with Christina Yuna Lee. And so we wanted to address at least the, the attacks that have been happening in a lot of the subway stations because it's gotten to a point where they even have statistics on that. I can't remember that off the top of my bat, but they, they that stuff exists. And so even with all this going on in the news, the seniors, they're still going to Chinatown from where they live to access the social services, to pick up the groceries and you know, me as an able-bodied individual, I'm just going to these stations and I, I'm kind of witnessing firsthand how they're interacting with the rest of the people who are in a rush on their daily commutes. And I think that what we wanted to do is to address that sense of safety and uh, just concern at that location. And we wanted to provide safety tips for the seniors and vulnerable communities. We wanted to help them with their carriages a lot of those stations don't have elevator access and that leaves them in a very vulnerable position. Do you, let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you feel like this has prevented a murder or an attack? Do you, do you believe, like, I want to believe that that's true. I feel like it probably is true, but do you, I don't know, like, how would you gauge that? Because yeah. I ask that because, like, I want to know that these efforts make a difference versus um, this is the best we can do, but it's not really effective. Do you, I, I don't yeah. know how, how to even answer that question. Maybe it's an unfair question, but what do you, have you thought about that? Yeah, I think that with anything, it's more so taking a sense of proactivity and prevention so that we can pray like the worst case scenario does not happen with the self-defense tactics like who knows if someone's going to apply that in the their day-to-day -day lives with what Henry's teaching over at Dragon Comic Club you know the like who really knows right but 
I think what we want to do is that we are prepared for when that thing, those things ha- do happen. And I think they've been happening more and more. There's no way for us to really go back and trace back to an individual who took a flyer from us to really know if they applied one of those tips. But I think we can really just hope. And what we want to do is just try to be that resource for the community. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess something could be said just about people not living in fear, right? Like just just letting people, um, you know, have some sense that people are out there aware they're not the only ones that are like fearing this. They're not crazy to fear it. There's a lot of community response. I've been impressed, I think, with Asian New Yorkers and how much they turn out and stuff. And, um, you know, it feels good. And, and, um, Though here's here's the thing I wanted to get into with you and mm-hmm. and 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 see if because these are honestly uh, questions that I don't have answers for and I feel like we're flying blind here uh, yeah. to an extent as a community and and sometimes these questions they're really good just to try and work the room together mm-hmm. and okay so let me let me po- pose the question this way I went and I looked at China Max music video for they can't burn us all and it's a very empowering and sort of like based music video <laughs> where you know, he just the thing I like about um, his style is he's not he doesn't hold back. And and I remember at the vigil when he showed up, like, you know, to be frank, a lot of Asian people are uh, a lot of Chinese people uh, are, you know, sort of heads down and and not really used to taking uh, the mic and you know, wanting the attention and then using it to spread a message of empowerment the way he does. So it's very cool to see. But the question I have after watching the video and there's 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 uh, real life video, you know, of a lot of people marching through Chinatown um, saying enough is enough. There's um, a lot of people, you know, sort of scowling at the camera, showing off a certain level of aggression, even holding you know, assault rifles and things, things like that. Um, not in a threatening way, but in a, we're going to defend ourselves kind of way, which is great. But for me, it's like, who is that directed at? Like where, because like, it seems like it's a, it's an invisible enemy. It could be anyone, anywhere, anytime. It could be a white dude, uh, you know, self-described sex addict down in Georgia. Mm. You know, it could be, um, it could be a Latino man here in New York or a black man or a, you know, white. It could even be an Asian guy. I think I saw recently uh, the ground, the 70 year old lady that got stabbed in the back. Okay, it right? looks like from the video, it's an Asian guy. Yeah. So it could be anyone, anytime. It almost seems like I forgot that movie, but it's it's that Denzel movie where like the enemy just jumps from person to person on contact. It's like you never know. And that's that's the thing now to me is like it's almost like an invisible enemy. We have no idea where it's coming from or why. A lot of times they just like, ah, oh, these people are crazy. And Christina, you know, Michelle Go, what the fuck was that? That came from nowhere. Christina Yuna Lee, I mean, yes, the guy Nash did have a prior violent assault on someone in a in a subway station, but it wasn't a rape and it wasn't didn't even come close to what he did ultimately. It it seems like this shit is coming from nowhere spontaneously. It's terrifying. So who is this message aimed at? Like we're, we're showing this strong side of ourselves saying like, we're ready to defend ourselves. Don't, don't think us, we're just going to be easy victims or whatever. 
is anyone listening to this that matters or is this just for ourselves to pump ourselves up what is going on yeah absolutely and i think that there's different interpretations of the name they can't burn us all and in general what you mentioned about you not really having the answers i think no one really has all the answers no one's going to be like 100% perfect on everything but we're just trying to see what we can do uh, for the community and what change we can bring. And when we mentioned they, I think we are really just directed at there's anyone who's going to either spit on us, those who oppress us, those who are going to, you know, slash us, who's going to push us, you know, who causes harm to us out of bigotry and racism. And mind you, like you said, this is not, you know, it's not a black person, necessarily a white person. This is anybody, really. It can be an Asian person, too. But I think what we want people to take away from it is more that there's power in unity, that it's more about the us out of they can't burn us out of us coming together who are experiencing these harms and experiencing these attacks for us to come together. And as long as, you know, they, they will continue, things will continue to happen. But if we don't speak up about it, and like you said, we need more people who are able to just not keep their head down, but also just speak up. And so I think out of that's what we want folks to leave out uh, off with. But in that process, I think there's been a lot of people who resonate with that, who feel that, you know, we really do need to come together, who we really actually need to bring the actual normal people together. And yeah, just really speak up on, on, because, you know, the more things happen and we don't speak up, we just continue to allow it to happen. That's one of the hardest things about, um, this whole thing is unity because a lot of times I feel like I don't want to expand this too far, but I feel like the Chinese American community in particular in New York finds itself in very tricky situations and the Chinese community, the Chinese American community in in America finds itself in very tricky positions. Like for example, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know, the, the people you work with and volunteer with have a view on any of this stuff or whether it's even relevant. But take affirmative action. Very tricky position that Chinese Americans have, even without taking a position here. I mean, I know what my position is, but it it you know it it is hard to get unity on this because you get a lot of you get a lot of people who are with organizations like Chinese for affirmative action. At the same time I know a lot of people who are very against affirmative mm-hmm. action, including myself. Um when it comes to this, you know, violence against Asian Americans, I see stuff all the time by Asian American scholars and academics yeah. and professional activists, you know, who take in, uh, you know, NGO money and stuff, saying that um, actually this, you know, this anti-crime or this anti-Asian crime wave, so to speak, has been in part manufactured as a way to divide us from the black community because a lot of it is hystericism of uh, trying to make a, you know Chinese people afraid of black people and, and, and this. And that's the opposite of unity. I feel there's a lot of infighting. Has that been an issue for you all, uh, a frustration? Because I know, for example, China Mac had a very public disagreement with Eileen. I think her name's Eileen Huang. Oh, right. That. And... I look. I understand that very deeply. I've had my run-ins with her too on Twitter, but um, that is an example of failure of unity. Not, not. I'm not saying uh, you know uh, that specific thing, the uh, China Mac and Eileen, but the nature of that disagreement. Because I've been a part of it myself. 
uh, I think more on the side of where China Mac was coming from. But that's a that's a frust- that's a that's that's um, a obstacle to unity. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so in general, yeah, unity is there's so many things that keep us divided, but it's something that we want to strive towards, regardless of those challenges. I mean, it's not necessarily there's this unity in the Asian community. There's so many different countries, different, so many different waves of generation, different classes, socioeconomic background. Uh, but, you know, the, you have the same issues going on in the black community, in all different types of communities. But for us here in the city, in New York, uh, is, it is very complicated because you have different communities in Flushing, in Chinatown and Elmhurst. They all operate under different politics. And there's now even disunity between the people in those communities as well as the NGOs, the different nonprofits. And even within the nonprofits, they have their areas where there are disagreements because they have different relationships with the folks that they give get funding from. So I think that even myself, I have a different dynamic than I would say China Mech, who's very out, out there. And I think that we need to, I think, get over those barriers. And first of all, one of the big things is what, what are we looking at in terms of what unites us and what we're trying to unite us with? And, you know, what, what, what are we going to like, what's the select focus that we're going to take here? And everyone talks about with Asian hate, we need to unify. Uh, we need to, you know, come together. I think it's very a broad term, right? And it's very feel good. But what does it mean to come together, right? And I mean, one example is just like last last week we had a there was a rally for the Filipino community because of the woman in Yonkers who was punched 125 times, and you know of course the Filipino came out to show out, you know for that, right? It's their own community, but we need more folks from the Chinese community, the Korean community to see that you know we're all in this together. When someone's going to attack us, that they don't they. They don't say, oh, you're Filipino or, you know, they're going to just label everyone as Chinese because everything of the things going on now. But like I said, we it's dependent on how we choose to focus on certain things. We we could unify on a lot of things, whether it's the type of health care we have, the the senior services that, you know, are provided from the state and the, the city for our aging population. But like I said, we want to take that step towards towards it but uh it, it, it is a tough battle i think part of it my take on this is that i think asians are just a uniquely vulnerable group i think we're seen as the perfect targets because i don't think i think there's an understanding that we are not part of the protected class in any sense right mm-hmm like the police don't have a particular like to the extent that the problem between uh the black community and the police is over policing meaning like the police are uh uh constantly harassing them um and all over them i think the prob the asian experience and problem with police is the opposite they just don't give a shit about us you know, I know so many people who have said that they've reported crimes to uh, the police and they're like, they won't even really listen. 
Like they won't even open a case and they just dismiss it. And, uh, you know, they, and I think the clear pattern has been that the police are very indifferent towards Asian victims. Yeah. Right. That's, that's our problem is they, they were under police. Nobody gives a shit about us, you know? And so there's an understanding that we are not particularly protected. The police are not, you know, very interested in protecting Asian neighborhoods, it seems, even though even though we have precincts right in those neighborhoods. So that's number one. I think number two is we're known to be, uh, you know, a rich target. Like, you know, <clears throat> a lot of, you know, Chinese delivery men have cash on them. Yeah. Um, lately, though, it's gone past that where there doesn't seem to be any real motivation to the crime other than it seems you can get away with it. And so I don't know, for me personally, a lot of this like... I think I think a lot of essentializing Asian hate as racism and, uh, you know, tracing it back historically to things like you know, colonialism and, and sort of all the standard um, historical explanations as to why Asian people, you know, connecting this to, you know, historical lynchings of Asian people in America, etc. I have my doubts about whether... Not whether that's a valid connection to make, but whether it's useful, whether actually what we're seeing now is Asians as canary in the coal mine, meaning like we know that there is a general rise in violent crime in America. We know that there is a general rise in stuff like vehicular deaths, uh, which is a rise in uh, drunk driving and reckless driving. We know there's like a rise in assault on airplanes, rowdy behaviors on airplanes, I mean, it feels like the country is kind of losing its mind all at once in, 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 in some respect. Like, there's a so general social breakdown. And it seems to me, like, when that happens, Asian people are the first to be are, – are I think – I feel in a way we're the first to, f to become victims of violent crimes. I don't know uh, yeah. that if that resonates with you at all, but I, I feel like we are – when violent crimes rise, it seems like in this day and age, Asians are the first people they come after. In the, you know, that's how it feels to me. No, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that, uh, and just oh, the a lot of things you touched on, and I just want to be able to make sure I don't lose lose track of uh, the things I wanted to respond to. But I think you mentioned something about just reporting to the police and them taking it and really taking it seriously. And yeah, I had one of those instances where I tried to help an elderly woman just report on that. And because it didn't fulfill the definition of the hate crime, because it was, there was no, nothing verbal and half the time, you know, how can we expect Asian seniors to speak English and understand English for them to say like, Hey, they called me an Asian slur. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, they just kind of brush it off. And this was in Flushing too. And I think about what you mentioned with the delivery workers. And they're either getting, you know, either getting robbed or, or beat up, or they're getting penalized by the city themselves or by, by the police because, you know, they just don't want those kind of bikes riding on the street. And so we're like always, yeah, it's screwed over in that sense. And whether it is, at the top where you have academics nowadays who can't really, uh, you know, go and do, do like conduct science 
for you know open research without being targeted right and i think just on all levels there's just like it feels like of uh, you know there's somewhat somewhat of an area where like yeah that leaves us kind of open and vulnerable and then you have the layer of the issues with language right there's so many cases where we're just caught in bad positions because we don't know how to conduct ourselves especially the like the immigrant populations how to really navigate and, and really exist here in this country and because they don't know english it puts them on a on a step behind i mean right that's why we are having a petition right now to try to get citizen to integrate the top three Asian languages, Chinese, Korean, Tagalog, and basically have these immigrant communities with a tool that they can have on their hands to be notified of any safety concerns, any issues around the their communities. I mean, yeah, I think that was a lot there. I want to hear your thoughts too. Oh, yeah, no, sure. I, th- I, I think you're pointing at something that's very, uh, you know, I'm always looking for the bigger picture. I don't know why. It's just more satisfying to me to have a wholer sense of what's going on because it get, it it at least helps us avoid deadlocks and like running around in circles, right? I I want the big picture when I start to feel like we're running around in circles. And I think with a lot of this stuff lately, I feel like we're running around in circles. Yeah. Especially when we talk amongst ourselves. Um and you know, I I am I have been of like two different uh perspectives of asian life in america the one where i grew up and the one where i find myself now because i grew up in the suburbs of washington dc in Mm -hmm. uh, maryland and they're like the asian community was a very like white collar assimilated professional class of asian american right Mm -hmm. and then i moved to new york about 20 plus years ago and um, and now I find myself living in Queens, which I love it here. But this is a very different kind of Asian community. It's very immigrant heavy. It is not like full of, I mean, it's it's a much broader segment of society than just white collar government workers, right? It's, it's uh, small business owners. It's workers. There are doctors in the area. There's nurses in the area. There's restaurant owners in the area. There's every, it's a whole town of asian people (laughs) that's i never saw that when i was growing up it's a whole self-sufficient town full of asian people doing everything and the concerns i feel of the white there's a kind of asian american that gets along just fine and this to them is a remote problem this is a feelings problem Mm. this is them feeling like Asian people are not respected. This is them feeling like, um, you know, how come we can't be fully accepted into this society? And uh, that's a feelings problem. But then there's the actual practical material problems mm-hmm. of like, I don't get paid enough money or I keep getting robbed or uh, I, re- I literally can't feel safe because I have to leave my work at, at midnight and take the subway. And that's a very different set of problems that are, in my mind, in my opinion, mostly left out in terms of like the media and popular discourse and what's visible and the material problems that are much more severe 
and have much more impact on the quality of life, mm-hmm. kind of ignored. And I think the reason is it's not just class. It's not just like, oh, we only care about high class problems and don't care about low class problems. But it's also like the high class problems, so to speak, you don't need a solution to that stuff, right? The whole point of that is to bitch and to complain, right? Nobody actually wants to solve any of that stuff about the I don't feel seen, I don't feel accepted. Well, okay. Well, what I'm really trying to do is get more essays published, you know? Um, But when it comes to the everyday material problems of people not being able to make enough money Mm -hmm. to survive, not being able to get home without getting robbed or assaulted or killed, uh that those require solutions. Mm-hmm. You got to do something about that. You can't just talk about it on the radio. We can't just talk about it on podcasts. We got to do something about it. And that's why I feel like there is a suppression of those problems because we don't have any answers. And we like we can't talk about those problems because they need to be solved and we don't have any solutions and so we just don't talk about it. Whereas the other stuff, you know, like okay, you don't feel seen, you don't feel there's not enough media rep. Oh, we've got projects in the pipeline for that, so we can talk about that all day. You know, those are my thoughts. But no, no, I think that that is the one way that we are appeased as a community because I don't know if you are on TikTok that much, but there there are accounts that could be like, oh, like this is one good thing that happened to the Asian community or something this week, or, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, they, they want to like celebrate some of the, the accomplishments. Right. And it's like, okay. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, there on one hand, there's someone who was attacked, but yeah, we really, uh, really, really made it in terms of this new film for representation. And <laughs> it just feels very <laughs> off. Yeah, um, it does. It's I mean, like the it's best great. of times and the worst of times, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does feel great. I'm, I'm not, well, as a, younger or like a second generation you know but it's the the first generation are left out they don't really see that you know but they're still dealing with all these issues and no one's really coming uh you know with solutions for them but yeah it's like look at look at all you know uh all all that we made you know all we how far we come in terms of you know hollywood representation it's i think you talk about it a lot the boba liberalism right Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, TikTok is where it's at in the subtle Asian traits and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of this? There's another podcast out there called, it's called Asian, Not Asian. And it's two um, guys, Fume, Fumi Abe and Mike Nguyen, and they're comedians, right? And mm-hmm. they have a very like, it's a very like boba liberal podcast where they make subtle Asian trait type jokes. Um, they're... They have a tagline. It's like we talk about all the Asian American issues that no one gives a fuck about, and oh, okay. they, you know, they'll make food jokes and they'll have like the same set of like Asian American, you know, minor celebrities come come on and talk and whatever. And I hated it. I, I honestly just didn't like that podcast because not a, not like I actively hated it, but I was like, this is just really more of what I don't need, you know. Like it doesn't. Mm. Yeah. But what's interesting was. They recently called it quits. They they just decided to stop doing it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then the last episode, they were basically saying like they they hated the content, their own content. They hated what they were talking about. They hated doing these interviews with Asian celebrity minor celebrities. They hated the little like meme jokes and the food jokes and the take your shoes off 
when you come to my house, you know, sort of Asian boss type of stuff and um, said like, look, uh, there's really nothing, <laughs> there's really nothing dignified about any of this. It's not interesting to me and I don't want to do this shit. I don't want to be, I was like, wow, you guys were doing all that. You guys were like the, you, you guys were pushing this stuff, you know, and now you come out and say, you know, you're not, this isn't doing it for you. And I thought that was very interesting because I feel like a lot of people feel that way without really knowing it or, you know, whatever. And, um, uh, but the problem is like, okay, then what, what, what is, what more is there? And then what, so when I see, here's what I'm, here's where I'm at is like, when I see you all doing this stuff and I see China Mac doing this and I, the visibility and there's a new, let's leave aside the real world activism that you guys are doing. I know that's happening. Right. But in terms of like the messaging, in terms of the sort of more militant stance or whatever, um, is it, I, I still don't know whether we've, it's been pushed far enough to where we can actually start talking about things like unity, you know, and then let's, oh, even more complicated than unity is solidarity with other groups. I mean, we could talk about that in a sec, but that's even more complicated. I know that that's a big theme is unity and solidarity, but I feel like honestly that sometimes it's hoping to just like power over the divisions, you know, take the like moral indignation that we have when a Christina Unali is murdered or when a Guiying Ma is murdered and saying, let's set aside our differences now that this has happened and let's, you know, and then when it doesn't happen, there's a lot of finger wagging and, and point like how could, you know, and I saw that happen in each of these cases, you know, where we, everyone is outraged, but then everyone starts even more getting more divided by this and saying, how could you let this make you think that, how could you let this make you uh, support carceral solutions when we know those don't work? And then I have friends who uh, would tell me like, you know, you act as if, you know, the police aren't, you know, victimizing brown and black people all day. And how could you ask for more law enforcement when you know it doesn't work? And it, it just became even more divided um, because everyone had such strong feelings, because, because everyone was getting militant. And I guess for me, it's like, instead of my approach to this, Fulton, is like, the difficult issues that do create the divisions, I want to get into those all the time, every day. I want to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And I'm ready to declare, to declare that one side is right and the other is wrong versus let's put our, let's put our differences aside and let's become a community and unite. I, I just don't think that that can happen <laughs> with, you know, I think we got to finish it. I think we've got to like sort out why is it that it's always these representation politics that matter more than the everyday material well-being and safety of working class Asian Americans, because these blue checks talk a big game about caring about them, but they won't lift a fucking finger and they won't even say something controversial to help them. Yeah. God forbid they say something controversial. And that, so that's where my head's at is like, I don't give a shit about unity. Honestly, I care about right and wrong. <laughs> and I feel like 
I'm at a point where I feel like there are a lot of Asians out there who are wrong because they are not because they're not thinking about the right thing. They're not thinking about people's lives. They're not thinking about safety. They're not thinking about getting home in one piece. They're thinking about Shang-Chi. <laughs> you know? So I guess that's where, I, where I'm at and why I question the unity message mm. right now, at least. If yeah. that makes sense. Gotcha. I feel like I feel guilty now because I'm looking forward <laughs> to that new Michelle Yeoh movie. I feel like I shouldn't be excited about it, but I heard it's a good movie. Oh, no, I have heard it's good. I, no, I don't want to take this too far. I'm not saying, yeah. okay, you know, but, but yeah. No, I've been, I, I think I just had a conversation the other day with a friend who was, was involved with a Filipino organization. And yeah, we were just talking about people online and who's really representative and speaking on behalf of the community. And especially like you said, with the blue checks and oftentimes they are really disconnected and detached from what's really happening on the ground. Like with us, we, we talk to seniors all the time and we, yeah, we want to let them know that we're here, they're here for them, you know, and we help with this distributing the pepper sprays to different small businesses. And they tell us the different, oh, the whole load of instances where, where they experience and, I'm like, you didn't report this to the precinct? And it was like, they said, oh, the precinct, they said, what do you want me to do about it? That's literally what they told me. The, there was a case in Chinatown too. And yeah, she basically said that. And that's the response she got. And so, yeah, we're at a situation where the folks who are experiencing all this, they don't really have a platform and people don't really know about it on that big of a platform uh, compared to those blue checks, right? Um, and the spokespeople. And it really sucks and it's tough doing this knowing that you know there's it's it's a weird disconnect between the people who are vocal about the asian community and the regular day-to-day people i think with in terms of unity solidarity i think like you said i i'm a proponent of like seeing trying to see things big picture but also focused on an individual level very tangibly and materially. And I don't want, I don't want to be the type to really idolize or to be, to, to be uh, proactive on like, Oh, you know, I'm going to use the word unity and solidarity at every speech or like, Oh yeah, we need to promote unity quote unquote. Right. And be very surface level about it. I think we are the type to just try to take small actions that really resemble what we would imagine unity looking like. I mean, that's why we wanted to include all the three languages, Chinese, Korean, Tagalog, especially with what's been happening with the, the Filipino elders, you know, in the past couple of weeks as well. And I think that it's, it's relationship by relationship basis, and it's an ongoing process. You may not like that answer, but it's really tough work. If, it's, if it were easy, like we would have unity by now. I've been, I've been pleasantly not surprised. I don't think I'm surprised, but I am pleased to see that there has not been a lot of like inter intra-Asian, inter-ethnic division. There's not a lot of like Korean people saying, oh, I'm not Chinese. There's not a lot of Filipinos people saying, oh, this is, be- we got targeted because they think we're Chinese. But, you know, there's not a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Chinese American, at first I thought, well, this is clearly aimed at Chinese people because of coronavirus and whatever. But I feel like Asian people have largely understood that this goes beyond any one 
ethnic group in the Asian community that this is sort of we're all intended targets. Yeah. And the non Asian the non Chinese Asians, they're not mistakes. They're not, you know, that was not a mistake. They were going for them. And they don't care whether you're you know, like so I have been uh happy to see that I have not I mean maybe you've seen different, but I I I don't get the feeling like there is a, this has sowed a lot of intra-Asian divisions in terms of by ethnicity. There are other divisions. I think it has more to do with the vocal activist class, um, particularly younger people, but also older people who have stayed in the academy and become professors and professional activists their whole lives and sort of never kind of grew beyond um, the campus. Um, and it's a tiny minority of people, but I I don't know if I spend too much time harping on them or whether they actually don't have, actually, what I've found is the more I talk to people like you and groups that are doing real work that for the most part, these people aren't very relevant. Like people don't really listen to them anyway. So maybe it's just a matter of ignoring them rather than shutting them up. They can say whatever they want. They can Mm. do whatever they want. Nobody really cares. Um, that's tough. Oh God. (laughs) The, The professional academic class as and there is like it crosses over into nonprofit territory but yo i i was gonna respond to the whole i i'm glad um that t-shirt i don't know if you saw that on twitter that says like oh, i'm not chinese or something oh yeah i have seen that yeah <laughs> i'm glad that did not uh catch fire but that did not catch fire yeah i'm glad, I'm glad that was shut down immediately but <laughs> i think that it, yeah like i said it sucks because when you have all the folks who are the quote unquote spokespeople and they're in in collaboration with the orgs that would need financial support and these spokespeople are then they're like, Oh yeah, if I look around and I'm I say I care about the Asian community, which ones do I promote? And the ones that have been doing the work for a long time, the traditional nonprofits that have existed they yeah they would benefit from that uh and but now i think there's also a period of time when there's people who feel that there's not enough work being done to address even more on the ground experiences i mean that's i think where we want to come in and fill that fill that role and yeah because it's extreme times we want to work together but at the same time you know, there's different people. There's it's a weird relationship going on between who is amplified, who is not. I don't know if you see that as well. Or um. You- oh, for sure. I mean, that's. I think that's why we do the pod is because we saw that. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, there is this sort of like, you know, I think it's just like it. it it's just our little slice of this identity politics juggernaut that has entranced uh democratic liberals and um i don't really support those politics not 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 from the perspective of a right-wing chud who's like you know uh just 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 like very anti like anyone not white like that, that that's not why that's not my problem with it but my problem with it is that i think that a lot of this is pandering and it's like feel good politics mm-hmm. 
And it's really aimed at people like suburban voters who don't really deal with this shit. This is an urban problem. Don't you think? Like, this is not really affecting, like, suburbs. People who drive in cars everywhere. I mean, sure, the occasional thing happens at the, uh, you know, at the Costco or whatever. Some words are (laughs) exchanged in the parking lot. But, you know, they're not walking the streets at night. They're not taking the subway at strange hours. They're not, you know, cycling through, like, biking through a dark city at night, you know, delivering food with cash on hand. Like, this is not... This is a New York City problem. This is a San Francisco problem. This is a Los Angeles problem. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I I don't know. Part of me is feeling like this is a very, one, like I said, you know, when I said I grew up in the Maryland suburbs of D.C., that was a very suburban area. And there wasn't much of like an urban Asian community. Like the Chinatown of that area of Maryland is in like Rockville, Maryland, which is a completely suburban ta- part of town anyway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I came to New York and I lived in a, there was an urban Asian community that have very different set of profiles. I think that's part of it. It's not just class. It's just not, it's not just ethnicity. It's not income level. Michelle Go made a lot of money. She was, uh, you know, she worked for Deloitte or whatever that didn't save her, you know? Uh, so I think it, it's a uniquely like Asian urban problem, you know, yeah. but the typical Asian American voice tends not to be urban tends to be like campus affiliated you know like janelle wong lives in she works at university of maryland which is where i went to school for undergrad Mm. she lives in college park maryland what does she know about any of this you know eileen huang wasn't she she in new haven she was like a a yale student and what does she know about any of this so i guess part of me wonders if this is really about the invisibility relative invisibility of new york city asians you know is it that maybe i don't know because i feel like we have a lot of common with uh with uh, asian people in in cities like like oakland or san francisco you know and it might be due to the urban environment that they live in um could be it i don't know um could be this this the special set of problems faced by people living in big cities yeah. So I think you, yeah, you definitely see that in cities across the country. And I think when you have even a borough like Queens and considering everyone talks about Queens as the most diverse County in the country, yet there's so many instances where Filipinos or Koreans, you know, you had the attacks on the grandmother in forest Hills. You had instances with Boy Ma you had attacks in Jamaica, in yeah, again on the Filipino women and elders, and there was the stabbing of the Korean lady right by Louis Pizza, which is two uh, blocks from me. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, gosh, and it's right next to. Uh, it's right, right next to Elmhurst Hospital. Jeez. Yeah, hotspot. Like all these yeah. areas are just very tainted, especially where all these different enclaves conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the double-edged sword about diversity is because you have to manage how you're going to make sure that there's, you don't really rock the boat between this community and this community. And everyone talks about how, yeah, we are diverse, but we're not actually figuring out ways that we have in common. And there, I think that you know, you're going to see it in cities, like you said, like I said, across the country, but it's going to be invisible because 
not everyone who's the spokesperson are going to be coming from those backgrounds or, you know, working directly in touch with those direct communities and constituents. But I, I still want to give them a benefit of a doubt. You know, I, I still believe that their heart's in the right place, but it, they just are disconnected in that sense. I would say, I mean, I agree. I think that actually community relations, so to speak, are is pretty good in Queens. It's not like, I mean, this area, Elmhurst, to me is sort of like the sort of center of Queens in a way. I don't know. It just seems to be the same distance to every other part of Queens. So I call it the center. And, and it also happens to be, if you call Queens very diverse, I feel like Elmhurst is sort of like the four corners. Like you got the South Asians closer up towards Jackson Heights. You've got a, a ton of Latinos towards like the Corona area. You got a lot of Chinese right here in Elmhurst and Southeast Asians as well. Yep. And they're all, it's a, it's South Asian, Southeast Asian, Chinese East Asian and Latino all mixed together into like one densely packed neighborhood. And for the most part, everyone gets along. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of hostility between these communities. My building itself that I live in is representative of this breakdowns and this building full of people who know each other and like everyone gets along just fine. We hold the door for each other. We say hi, you know, it's, it's fine. It's great. In fact, I, you know, a lot of people talk about like the communities need solidarity. I think the communities have solidarity. I think it's just a bunch of crazy ass people out there doing this. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's more <laughs> unity and, and people coming together than we really think, but oh, yeah, yeah. It does get exacerbated. I think that's why the people who that like you, these are real daily life exchanges that people don't see on social media or get really get amplified. What they amplify, what it gets amplified is the division. divisions. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, no one like when you have good news, it does not get as much traction as negative news. I, I exactly. think we all agree on that, and so uh, I I think we're gonna be. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this yet, but we hope to have a community event inviting. Filipino community, Korean community, uh, it's going to be in front of Louis just as a, like a celebration. And we're, we're inviting and inv- we're sending an invite to uh, Mrs. Chang, who was the victim. So, yeah, feel free uh, to stop by as well for that. Oh, yeah, I will definitely because I used to go stop by there for pizza all the time. Uh, I love that place. Um, I'm glad every, I know, I'm glad that was an event where it showed. I mean, honestly, like I was like, um, shocked at how much people came out to support them on their GoFundMe. And then yeah. I'm glad that she finally opened up a GoFundMe, which I think is doing pretty well. Louis GoFundMe is doing real well. I think they should even shut it down at this point, to be honest. They're almost close to a million dollars. But like, uh, but more power to them. But like, I'm glad that that uh, worked out in the sense that she survived. Louis and his father survived. The perps got caught. And life is going to move on. You know, no one died. Mm-hmm. And the result, I think, was typical of this area, which is people love this place. People love each other. People love the local pizza guy. They, lo- you know, they love to see this happen. They, they, um, this is the nature of, uh, of the neighborhood here. You know, one, one uh, example of this was there was a video, you know, when you talk about like what social media does in terms of amplifying um, conflict, but ignoring harmony. 
there was a video of a brawl that happened in an Asian nail salon, you know, with the black woman customer. And the security footage showed a big brawl and they were pulling each other's hair and they were fighting because she didn't pay, you know. And then the New York Times was like, I think this was over uh, down in uh, Bensonhurst area. No, I think it's the Red Apple incident, right? Maybe it is. Yeah. Where, yeah is I mean, that Bay Ridge? Uh, I think I think it's either Bed-Stuy or, or Flatbush. Oh, okay. Um, I remember that being really big in the news. Yeah. Yeah. So they, but I think, I think they sent a reporter. Yeah. they sent a reporter there. I thought they sent him to Bay Ridge area, but anyway, it was a neighborhood where there was a Chinese neighborhood directly adjacent to a black neighborhood. I don't know Brooklyn too well, but I think it's the Bay Ridge area where the reporter went. And this reporter went to go talk about, I mean, the fact, it was a fact finding mission to see just how bad Asian Chinese and black relations had become in the borough of Brooklyn. And it was very interesting that the report came out and said, actually, we talked to a lot of people on the street and they said that that was a very strange incident because for most of the part, we all get along just fine Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of black people actually do their shopping in the Chinese area. You know, the prices are good and it's no problem. And um, we've never heard of these kinds of incidents before. This is kind of a freak incident. You know, the reporter was like, yeah, I'm surprised to see that there is no race war down here. We were badly misinformed, you know. But, of course, no one read that. Everyone remembers what he called the Red Apple incident. But everyone remembers that. But nobody knows the sort of, like, you know, buried in the, you know, depths of the website or newspaper where the reporter said, oh, actually, we're going to go look at the situation. And it seems like, actually, the two communities get along just fine for the most part. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was think like, "That's New York." So much about New York is just not understood, you know, because it's like too boring to care about. It's like, oh, these people get along. Yeah, fuck that. No, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, man, there's so yeah that it's that. I think there's always the key, like very divisive issues uh, related to even Chinese food, right? If you have a negative experience, like or incident there between different communities specifically black and Asian, I think that in general, it's very divisive too. And I mean, there is validity to it in some extent, but at the same time, I I love the fast food Chinese restaurants. I know the black community also loves that. And I think there's normal people do love that as well. But like you said, that people want to read about the division. It's just- Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's unfortunate. specific topics that really come up a lot the chinese restaurants in the the, uh, black communities the nail salons these are very tough issues that you know there's no clear answer on how to really bring the community more together and have a discussion on it but i think it's about bringing also the um like you said the normal people who uh you know had great experiences together too to be advocates uh on behalf of the different communities to and try to bring them together. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I don't know what the way forward is other than there is I think the city city life you know is worth defending. Like I don't want to see the cities get hollowed out again. I don't want to see everyone suddenly change their dream to be like leaving the city and living in like the soulless suburbs and you know, New York City should always be a thing. 
Queens should always be a thing. Brooklyn should always be a thing. And uh, this is a test of that, I think, because so many people I know are saying they want to leave New York. So many people are telling me to leave New York. And I don't, you know, Queens? why should I? Huh? Even people from Queens? Uh. Mm. I feel no, like- not people from Queens. Uh, no, people from Queens have not said that. But I think a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of friends outside the city okay. uh, who live in other places. And are like, why, don't, why the fuck do you, why are you still there? You know, just get out of New York, mm-hmm. you know, like get a remote job, which is doable and just leave New York. And I understand why they're saying that. But on the other hand, I'm like, in fact, some people are saying just leave America. <laughs> <laughs> just like get the fuck out of America, that man. Is it consideration? Yeah, it is. I'm not. I totally get what they're saying, but on the other hand, part of me is like, why should I leave New York? I love New York. <laughs> you know, uh, why should I abandon this place just because crazy people are 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 losing their shit? It is admittedly a very bad time. I don't want to make excuse for what they're doing, but it is a very bad time. And during bad times, bad shit happens. Horrifying stuff happens. I mean, honestly, that. Christina Unilee situation was traumatizing to read about, um, to think about, um, and and uh, unprocessable. Some of these events, honestly, are not processable events. You know, right. Michelle Go was not processable for me. I think we're all gonna need. We're gonna. I don't know when the pandemic or the city's handling of everything will finally conclude. I don't know if that'll conclude in a year or so, but even afterwards, I think we're all gonna be very like messed up. For mentally sure. and emotionally because of everything happening yeah. uh, I don't think the attacks really going to stop I don't know how you feel about it but they're, yeah they're just I think that there will be another one happening I hate to think of it that way mm-hmm. but yeah, the, I don't see any concrete action being done I don't know what can be done uh, you know other than to just remind everyone to be careful that you have to, you know, take response. Like at this point, you got to take responsibility for your own safety. Yeah. Like, no one's t- gonna protect you. <laughs> well, you know, people are gonna do. You guys are gonna do what you can, but there's no Asian Batman. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's like we gotta just realize that we're in a situation where every, every, it's every Asia for themselves. You know, <laughs> like get just get alert. You know, if if you have. Older family members, make sure that you are provisioning for their safety. Yep. Take responsibility for your own elders. Like you gotta step up for them, and you can't just assume that they're gonna be okay. Don't you know? Dote on them. Dote on people. Dote on your spouse, your children, your parents. If you're an Asian man, like just you know, take that extra time to accompany them <laughs> to the store. You know, take the extra time to go pick them up instead of if you can. Uh, that's the only thing that I see. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, instead of looking for political solutions to this, because I, I don't think there are. I mean, I have my feelings about stuff like bail reform. But again, I really don't think that's the core issue. Mm. These are marginal issues at best. The real issue is, you know, I can't leave the people close to me just to fend for themselves. If I'm around and I can go accompany them. I'm gonna have to go do that, you know. No, totally. I think we're at a really a key moment. I think we need more Asians to just get out of their comfort zone and really wake up. I know that there's a lot of Asians who've been been heavily involved and they're burnt out. And I think there's a lot of Asian women who've been helping and leading the charge. 
But man, I think even with the Grand Street thing, like we we help the seniors for an hour and it is meant to be a short-term solution. And the hope is that on on people's daily lives on Can you explain the Grand Street? I know Grand Street is the subway station in Chinatown uh, right across from Christina Unali's apartment, right? And I know it's been uh, sort of notoriously dangerous place at night, Mm -hmm. also during the day, I suppose. But what were you guys doing? Were you, is that helping the, just sort of like being there and helping maybe uh, just sort of uh, escorting people or? Yeah, yeah. And I would, yeah, this is a conversation that we've been trying to find different iterations and improvements on. We started off help having a lot of volunteers and we had different numbers at stationed at the different entrances on the top level. And the purpose we wanted of the, the whole project and the initiative really is, like I said in, in the beginning, there's even a statistic for the rise in crimes in subway stations. And in planning for it, I totally forgot, but there was early on February, 2020, there was a hate crime or an Asian woman who was attacked at that station who was called like a disease, like I can curse, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> she was called disease bitch. And I totally oh. forgot about this happening and it happened at Grand Street station in Chinatown. Mm. And mind you, these are stations that lack elevator access in general, the seven train everywhere, <laughs> lack seven train, the elevator access, but we wanted to directly address the concerns in Chinatown and the elders coming to Chinatown because a lot of them are commuting from areas like East Harlem, from Queens, just to come here to access different programs, social services, and also to buy groceries. So if you imagine them carrying their baggages, it's like a lot of them are pretty heavy. They're like, even for, for me, and to carry, it's pretty heavy. And in the process, we want to help them help them up and down the stairs with that, as well as provide them with flyers and information about how to keep safe while riding the subway. And if they want, we offer them a safety device. And even the past weekend when we had it, we found that seniors were very appreciative and some of them even want to coordinate their schedules to when we have it so that if the, in the future, if they come to Chinatown, we'll be there and they know that we'll be there. So that's the point that it's gone to. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's that, both, that's both, Good to hear and also incredibly sad yeah. uh, at the same time, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, if people want to volunteer, uh, where should they reach out to? Where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. you can find our volunteer form on our bio. You can find that on Instagram at TCBUA. We have our volunteer form available. It's also in a thing that we do every two weeks, every Saturday, 4 p.m., and we meet up by the handball courts, by the Grand Street Station, uh, the B and D line in Chinatown. And yeah, I think right now we are focusing on that. We are also focusing on our call to action to get more signatures for our change.org petition, trying to get citizen to include Chinese, either simplified or t- traditional, to get them to include Korean and Tagalog on their app so that yeah, our immigrant communities can be notified of any safety concerns. Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, it's also, it's a great way. It has been a great way for me to like just meet other Asian New Yorkers and realize like 
wow, a lot of us have our heads in the same place. Like you said, when all this shit blows over, a lot of us are going to have to like work on some shit. Like we're going to have to decompress. Uh, and it's because we're all going through the same thing, you know? And I think when you say after all this is over, I'm like, why not now? I mean, I think just getting together now and working together on stuff is therapeutic in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it is not the threat. I think it is not the thing that's happening that is causing people to lose it a little bit. It is the isolation it, feeling that, this is um, an outrage or a pain that, you know, no one understands, you know, no one cares. That's not true. A lot of people care. A lot of people are doing stuff. Um, so check the show notes. I'll put the links. Um, Fulton, send me the links after this, and I'm going to put them in the show notes so people can find you guys online. And show up. Show up to Grand Street and help out. You're going to feel – it feels great to help out. Uh, and um, – my girlfriend and I do the Zoom, you know, like Henry's doing like free. I mean, think about it. He's just doing like free Muay Thai lessons on Zoom all the time. And we do it just for fun and exercise. It's a kick just to, you know, have a break from working at home all the time. Just um, doing some martial arts over the Zoom. Yeah, it, it it's great. It really takes a toll on you. I, I mm-hmm. participate in some of those myself. It, yeah, it's a good exercise. Yeah. It's yeah. tougher than you think. And once you do it in person, glad that you have a partner to do it with. It really helps out as well. You definitely need a buddy system for that. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. I mean, it is, there, you can, there is opportunity here uh, <laughs> too. You know, it's not all dire and stuff like, you know, working together uh, and just seeing, seeing that. It's been great. I think for me, in, in some ways, this has been, bo- it, it has been the best of times because, People are more serious minded now, you know, like I don't want to hang out with other Asian people in New York to talk about Shang-Chi. I don't want to go on a on a boba tea, uh, you know, um, food crop? tour, you know, I don't want to go on a food tour. I, do, I mean, I love China, I love Asian food, but I, I don't want to meet up with a group to just go eat, you know, but a group that is like, yo, th- there's some serious shit going down. We got to take it seriously. We got to do this. That's a that that's to me like that's more my speed. <laughs> so very glad that people are up to you know doing that. Join it. Do it. Yeah. All right. Um any final thoughts, Fulton, while we wrap this up? Uh I mean, hope to have you guys hope to have you guys on again. Maybe one maybe China Mac can join us too. I know people want to hear from him, but this has been really good, really excellent to get a you know, to hear what you all been working on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having, having myself uh, just shared more about the organization and sorry for everyone because I'm not as outgoing and out there as China Mac. Maybe he'll come back for an episode. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but it's about we, it's not about one person, even though, you know, some people have different skill sets and different platforms than others. But the, I, the message that we want to convey is that you any small action that you take for our community has has significant value and importance and you just don't know it yet. And we need Asian Americans and we have to get our friends too who are non-Asian Americans just awakened and involved in our communities uh, because, yeah, no, there's no solution that's going to be out there for us. We have to watch out for one another and we have to keep ourselves safe.
Yeah, absolutely. It look, people, these are beautiful communities. This it's not all pain. I can't I walk in in Elmhurst at night or during the day. There's Asian grandmas dancing in the park all the time. I mean, that right? park is I, an exception. That park is very active. It's very all, active. Yeah. Yes. That's a great park. Great like, park. I don't know, it's more homestead park. There's like yeah. different dance groups too. And then there's like volleyball. There's table tennis. There's basketball with like the Tibetan. There's always pickup basketball going. There's always just, you know, kids of all races just walking around with a basketball tucked into their arm, getting some Gatorade after they play, you know, as the sun goes down. They're, the food here is so fucking good. I mean, I can't. It, I'm here for the food. Um it's great. Like, you know, th- these are not sad, broken communities. These are great places uh, that are worth fighting for. Yeah. So enough with the sadness shit. This is, this is great. This is great stuff. Uh, but we do have problems that we got to deal with. So no more sad sack shit, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, Louis Pizza, great grandma slice, kind of mm. ironically named at this point. But um, they have a great grandma slice. That's why I even know Louis because... Louis Pizza is the type of place I'm talking about. You go there at any given point, they're gonna. There's a conversation going on. Every single person in that pizzeria is involved in that conversation. <laughs> the EMT from the hospital across the street, he's there talking. They're debating vaccines. People are, you know, three young black kids come in. They're talking shit about this. They're, you know, whatever. It's a. That's how it works over there. This um, has become a, so, a, a promotional podcast episode for Louis Pizza, huh? For exactly, um, you know, for people who don't live in New York, you know, there's a lot of negative talk about this place, and yeah, it is a kind of a shitty time. But sorry if you have never lived here before, um, or you don't know this place, you're missing out, and maybe that's why you don't quite understand why people don't want to leave. Mm. So and I'm anyway. sure that every city they have something like that in their own community, but they just need to be able to fight for that. As you said, we need people to take action. Where Where do you live, by the way? Are you in Queens or? Ooh, I live in. Oh, I think you should come over too. I live by Murray Hill, the Good Murray Hill. Oh shit! I love that place. <laughs> you mean like North Flushing, that area? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. No, the the Korean restaurants there are the best. I think. Um. Anyway, we, we yeah. can't we can't be too outspoken about it, or else all the all they're going to know. A tourist trap. <laughs> yeah, I love Murray Hill. All right, man. Uh, it was great chatting with you, dude. Yeah, great. Likewise. All right, this is your episode for this week. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Mm-hmm.